John chapter 17 and verse 17. Jesus is praying for the disciples here, and he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And I sanctify myself for them so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Truth is powerful because Jesus is the truth. He is our victory. He is our truth. And we have to absolutely become passionately in love with truth. More than any kind of preconceived ideas that we have, more than anything, you know, that we've known in the past, we have to be willing to set all aside to make room for truth. I guess I'm real quick because the Lord speaks to me and I'm not always good at saying it out loud, so I'm going to stop and do it this time. Um, during our prayer time, I just felt the Lord put on my heart that He wants to purge His church of progressivism, that that is doubt and unbelief, that the faithfulness of God comes through to change people. And we don't conform to that, but we... We walk in righteousness and in truth, and so he doesn't want progressive thinking to become doctrine in his church. Amen. 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 Thank you for that. Between that and what Karen Hostetter had prayed out, it's like, you guys are just going to take my sermon. (laughs) Sanctify them by the truth. That word sanctify means set apart. So I'm just going to read it that way this time. Set apart them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. I set apart myself for them, so that they also may be set apart by the truth. To be sanctified means to just be set apart for something, for a special use. You know, you have different vessels, is is how the King James calls it, different vessels, vessels unto honor, and ones that are dishonor, and let's just say it a different way. You have different containers in your house that serve different functions. And the cup that Kevin is drinking out of right now, this holds greater honor in his house than, let's say, the dustpan. Because he's willing to put things in it and drink from this cup. Right? A vessel unto honor. The dustpan, he's not going to do that. Or the trash can or the toilet bowl. Now, if you were a dog or a cat, maybe. (laughs) But he has set apart the cups in their house for special use. Or the dishes and the plates for special use. And then you have things that you set apart for uses that are also special, but not unto honor, right? And so, who are we? How We've been set apart. Unto what? Set apart for what? And that's been the title of the sermon that we started into the last two weeks set apart to the Lord. Do you love truth? You know, Scripture can be twisted. Just because you know how to quote, quote, quote Scripture doesn't mean that you are quoting truth. The devil also quoted Scripture, but he twisted it. And in Peter even, he said at one point that you know, these guys in, in 2 Peter 3, he says people that are untaught and unstable twist the Scriptures to their own destru- destruction. So twist it to mean something that it doesn't mean. You know, 
one of the things when you come into a discussion with another Bible student, and if, depending on their viewpoint, they may say things like, yeah, well, you know, that's my interpretation of it. And how do we know whose interpretation is right? This guy says this, and this guy says this, and that person over there says that, and how do we, I mean, we can all just, everyone has their own interpretation. Wrong. There's one truth. One truth. One of those guys is right and the others are all wrong. Or maybe they're all wrong. Right? But there is one truth. Jesus asked the, the rich young ruler that came to him and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now remember the context here when he did that. It says he came to test him. And so he asked Jesus, what should I do? And Jesus said, well, what does the Scripture say? How do you read it? That's found in Luke 10 if you're wanting, taking notes. Luke 10.26 if you're taking notes for our LTS students here. So, how do you read it? Another time, Jesus said, Be, take care how you hear. In Luke 8. 18. Take care how you hear. So how are we hearing? Just because those people twisted Scripture to their own destruction, Peter wrote it, but Peter wrote it about Paul's letters. And he said, Paul says things that are sometimes difficult to understand. And the untaught and the unstable twist these things to their own destruction. Was that because Paul was just a bad teacher? No, there was a problem with them. There was an issue with them. And the verse was already quoted tonight, but we're going to read it again in Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24. They search me, God, know my heart, test me and know my thoughts or my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Offensive to whom? Offensive to the Lord. See if there's an offensive way in me, Lord. It says, lead me in the everlasting way. So we have to hold ourselves up. We have to hold our lives up and say, Lord, here I am. I don't want to be in my own way any longer. Whether I think I'm right or not, I don't care. I'm more interested in what you think, Father. And if I think I'm right on something and I'm actually wrong, show that to me, please, Father. And that we judge ourselves and allow the Lord to show us where we need to make adjustments and line up with the truth. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, and we're going to start in verse 3. Being set apart to the Lord is such a big deal. There's another uh, word that we use for set apart. It's the word sanctify, but then there's also another one that gets translated uh, that way. It's holy. Holy. You know, holiness isn't taught much in churches today. Because most people go, well, yeah, but it's not one of those rah rah shouting messages. That's just because you don't understand holiness. If you really understood holiness, you'd be like, yeah! Because the Lord is holy. So you be holy, is what Scripture tells us, and we'll probably get to that one. Ephesians 
1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. I mean, that is such a mouthful. Isn't that amazing? Every spiritual blessing, Carson, that you could ever, ever want in your life, He's already given to you in Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing, Elizabeth, that you could ever want, right? The Lord's already put your name on it. Belongs to Elizabeth. Spiritual blessings. And it's an endless reserve. It's not like a silo full of them in heaven that once it runs out, you're done. It's just endless. Endless. And so these spiritual blessings belong to you and I. Now look what he says in verse 4. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So man, this is an old plan that's in effect. This has been going on for a long time. And back, you know, a number of thousands of years ago, before any of this was in existence even, he knew about today. He knew about the prayers that we prayed earlier tonight, and he already had a plan on how to answer those prayers and bring them into existence. And as he says right here, before the foundation of the world, he chose you. He chose you, Nicole, saying, I, she's mine. I have redeemed her. I have called her by name. And this is long before Adam existed. How cool is that? Father, I ask for your help. Teach us. Show us, reveal to us the importance of being like you, being holy after your image. Lord, open up our understanding, unfold it before us like the beautiful flower that it is. Lord, give me the words to to speak and say. And even in my stumblings, Father, I ask that by your Spirit, you do a miracle in their ears so that they hear you. I thank you for this. And amen. So He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world to, for a certain purpose. For a certain purpose. What's this purpose? Why did He plan so far ahead? What was His purpose? Here, let's read it. To be holy. To be holy and blameless in His sight. To be holy and blameless. That's the whole enchilada. That's the deal. He chose you To be holy. To be blameless in His sight. In love He predestinated us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for Himself according to His favor and will to the praise of His glorious grace that He favored us with in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure that He planned in Him for the administration of the day's fulfillment to bring everything together in the Messiah, both things in heaven and things in the earth. In Him we were also made His inheritance, predestined according to the purpose of the one who works out everything in agreement with the decision of His will, so that we who had already put our hope in the Messiah might bring praise to His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, in Him, when you believed, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Verses 3 through, actually one more. He is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of His glory. Verses 3 through 14 in the original language are all one sentence. Amazing. All one sentence. Amazing. So, before the foundation of the world, He chose us to be holy. 
to be blameless, to be holy, to be blameless. Wouldn't it be horrible to like throw everything back in his face and live as though we were unholy? Wouldn't that be such a mockery of what he gave to us? Wouldn't that grieve the Lord? Wouldn't that be offensive to him? See, this is the question that we have to ask ourselves is, Lord, reveal to me any area that I am offensive to you. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 14. Do not be mismatched or unequally yoked, is how some translations say it, with unbelievers. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership or fellowship, or the word is intercourse, right? It means close intimacy, not in a sexual way. For what fellowship or partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Those two are just two opposites, right? Righteousness, lawlessness. Now, isn't what we see in our land today is lawlessness? A hatred of law. And so, we the righteous are the complete opposite of that. Or supposed to be. That's in our DNA. Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What union or <clears throat> agreement does Christ have with Belial? <clears throat> Belial is the name for the devil or Antichrist. So, what fellowship or union does Christ have with the Antichrist? No, they're, they're mortal enemies. The good news is Jesus wins. We know, right? <clears throat> or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement does God's sanctuary have with idols? For we are the sanctuary of the living God. So, we are the temple of the living God. We are created to be holy. Weren't in the temple building when they built the temple and overlaid everything with gold and they put all the utensils together and then they had to sanctify them all, set them apart for special use unto the Lord in the temple. The whole temple was set apart, sanctified for the Lord's service. And it so irritated the Father when they brought filth into the temple. And man, he had Jesus pick up a whip and drive them out of there. It so grieved and offended the Father that the temple would have these unholy things in it. Animals running around and it's a, it's a barn and an auction and all kinds of stuff going on. And that grieved the Father. Well, okay, let's turn now the spotlight onto us today, modern times. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Where are we allowing that filth and the animals and the auction and the greed and the different things in, those things are what sh are shaping decisions and, and laying direction. Where are we doing that in our life? For we are the sanctuary of the living God. You know, this whole thing about don't be unequally yoked together, most believers don't pay a whole lot of attention to that. If you're young and you're not married in this house, and you are wanting a spouse, or maybe you're old and not married in the house, okay? It doesn't matter. If you're wanting a spouse and you currently don't have one, okay? 
Don't go out getting one that's not a believer. That would be unequally yoked. And he strictly says here, don't do that. Because it's going to bring hurt and pain. And you're not going to be... You know, this, this word actually comes out of... He's quoting or the idea comes out of Deuteronomy 22, verse 10. Where it says, don't plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. Because they're different sizes. They have a different gait. They're just not going to work together. And you're going to wind up with everyone frustrated, including the farmer. <clears throat> so this is important that we, we get this. Because if we can clear out the filth, if we can clean out the temple, because you are the temple, if we can clean out the temple, man, there is a clarity that will come to you of hearing, hearing the Lord. You know, the biggest thing that stops you from hearing the Lord is condemnation. The clutter, the things that come in. And so if we clear that out, suddenly you, it clears the confusion. You hear click, clearly, the, the mixture is gone. It's no longer clouding your perception. It's not causing doubt. How many of you ever burnt toast? But you still tried to eat it. Like you took it to the trash can, scraped off the burnt side, and, still, and it still tasted burnt. It wasn't like toast is supposed to be, right? See, that's the good mixed with the bad. Even though you scraped it off and you think, you, you know, it still has that taste. Like burnt toast. Except Kevin likes it, I guess. <laughs> you know, Hosea 7.8 says this. He says, Ephraim has allowed himself to get mixed up with the nations. Ephraim is unturned bread baked on a griddle. What happens when you put bread on a griddle, a pancake, and you don't flip it? One side gets burnt and the other side isn't done. Is this a match? No, you're not going to eat it. It's just trash. It's not good for anything. And he's saying Ephraim was this way. Now, why was Ephraim this way? Because he had gotten mixed, or the, the group of people, Ephraim, they had gotten mixed with the ungodly. They had allowed themselves to become mixed up and, and intertwined, and now they were like, a pancake that hadn't been flipped. Go to Psalms 139, maybe? 106. Psalms 106. And while you're going there, you can get out your pen and paper, LTS students, and start writing down scriptures fast because I'm going to give you a bunch of them. First Peter, if, those of you that are wondering what we're talking about, the LTS students, one of the requirements is that they take notes, that they keep track of the scriptures and things like that. So those that are in our leadership training seminar, school, leadership training school, um, that's what we're referring to. And that just started up recently, and if you would like to be a part of that, see Kelly over here, wave at everyone, Kelly, and she can help you out. So 1 Peter 1, 13-16 says this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do except for the TV you watch. Or the books you read. Or your language and social media. Or when you're with your ungodly friends. No. None of that's there, right? No, it says, just as He has called you is holy, so 
Be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. The, that was in the NIV. Um, the, the TS 2009 is a translation that I'm really liking. TS 2009 is what it's called. And it's, it's a weird name for a translation. But this is how it reads. It says, Because it has been written, um, Instead, as the one who called you is set apart, so you also should become set apart in all behavior. Set apart. Because it has been written, be set apart, for I am set apart. 1 Peter 2.9 says that you are a chosen people. Remember we talked about choosing you before the foundation of the world. Called you by name. Redeemed you. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. Holy. Holy nation. You know, like, the word holy is in the Bible 661 times in the King James. And then if you look up versions of holy, like holiness, different variations of the word, there's a bunch more. A holy nation, God's special possession. See, you're set apart. A set apart nation, you're you're His special cup. Surely my cup runneth over. Right? You're his special cup. The cup he likes to just pour into until it's running everywhere. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So how important is holiness? Maybe we don't talk about it nearly as much as we should. How important, how vital is holiness? I'm asking, I want a response. How important is holiness? We won't see the Lord without it. See, she's getting ahead of us. That's the answer to the question. Here in in Hebrews 12 verse 14 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I mean, it's a big deal. Now understand that our holiness comes from the Father because of what Jesus did. That's like your righteousness. Yet there's also a level of holiness now that we must remain in. Because you don't bring in the cows and the sheep and the pigs into the temple. That's not holy. That is desecrating that which is holy. You've been made holy, now keep it that way. 1 Timothy 1.9 He has saved us and called us to a mediocre life. No. He has saved us and called us to a set-apart life. A holy life. That's what you're called to. You are called to holiness. Not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. Again, the TS 2009 translation. Who has saved us and called us with a set-apart calling? Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and favor. Did you find Psalms 106? Let's look in verse 34. <clears throat> they did not destroy the peoples as the Lord had commanded them, but mingled with the nations and adopted their ways. Ooh. Right? Mingled and adopted. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and 34 say this, do not be deceived. Listen, especially you young people. 
Don't be deceived. The reason that he, anytime you see that phrase in Scripture, pay special attention because it's a point where people are commonly deceived. Right? And, and it says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. This is the point where people are deceived. But be aware of that. And he goes on and he says, become right-minded or Wake up to what is right, one translation says. Become right-minded and stop sinning. Let's go back here to Psalms 106. He says, they didn't destroy the people, so there was disobedience, and then they mingled with the nations, and they started becoming like them. They adopted their ways. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, so that the land became polluted with blood. They defiled themselves by their actions and prostituted themselves by their deeds. And if you keep reading, you see that the Lord's anger now burned against them. Just like the Lord's anger burned when the temple was filled up and Jesus had to cleanse it. <clears throat> zeal for his house was upon him. Is zeal for holiness in the house of the Lord on you? Yes. yes. I mean, if it wasn't, you can say yes by faith, right? You can ask the Lord to help your want to. Alright, let's go to 1 Corinthians again. And chapter Actually, back, back to chapter 6. We weren't done there, I don't think. No, that's not where we Was it 2 Corinthians, maybe? 2 Corinthians 6. <clears throat> it says, For we are the sanctuary of the living God. We're reading in verse 16. As God said, I will dwell among them, walk among them. I will be their God. They will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing, and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, dear friends, since we have such promises, we should wash ourselves clean from every impurity of the flesh and spirit, making our sanctification, our set-apartness, complete in the fear of God. Completely set-apart. Now let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Can you, the temple of the Holy Ghost, fellowship with a demon? 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 14. Therefore, dear friends, flee from idolatry. I am speaking as to wise people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless is not a... Is it not sharing in the blood of Christ? So we're going to have communion together later so so the cup and the bread he's talking about does a cup of blessing that we bless is it not a sharing in the blood of christ the bread that we break is it not a sharing in the body of christ because there is one bread we who are many are one body for all of us share that one bread look at the people of israel are not those who eat the sacrifices partners in the altar he's talking about the levites what am i saying then that food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No. But I do say that what they sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be partners with demons. So apparently you can fellowship and become partners with a demon. Else Paul wouldn't have said, I don't want you to be. 
Now, obviously, we know what happens next. If you do that, well, now you need deliverance, right? You need to be set free, and strongholds develop out of that. And we can allow, by, the, by small compromises, you can begin to allow things into your life that don't seem like a big deal. But there's a callousness that starts to develop in that area, a hardness and a numbness that begins to develop in that area, and and pretty soon it grows and it spreads. Well, that is what we're talking about. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 5. As we know, we put uh, Scriptures up on the screen, and um, I encourage you to bring your own Bible. Turn with me when we go to these Scriptures, in particular when I say, let's go there, that way you see it in your Bible. That you become familiar with it in your Bible. That you see, oh yeah, it's on the right side of, of the left-hand page, up near the top. Right? You become familiar with it. Rather than just on a screen, and then you go, well, I don't know where that is. I don't even know the book, because really you weren't paying attention to the reference. <clears throat> so, it's good to turn with me when we go to these places. So, 1 Corinthians 5, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. It is widely reported that there is sexual immorality among you and the kind of sexual immorality that's not even condoned among the Gentiles. A man living with his father's wife. I guess his stepmother, I'm thinking. And you are in... Now, this is in the church. This is within the body of Christ. Now, this particular body of Christ is, I mean, the gifts of the Spirit are flowing in this place. There's all kinds of things happening. Back in chapter 1, it says, you, writing to these same people, right? It's a letter. He didn't write it in chapters. He just wrote it one long letter. And in the beginning of the letter, he says to them, he says, you come behind no one in the gifts of the Spirit. You, no one, you're, you're in second place to nobody in these things. So we know that, I mean, the Spirit of the Lord is there is powerful amongst them, yet they've got this rampant sin happening right in the middle of it, and they're proud about it. They're proud that we're putting up with this, that we're so tolerant. That we're so tolerant. What does he say in verse 2? You are inflated with pride instead of filled with grief, so that he who has committed this act might be removed from among you. If you jump down to verse 6, he he talks about it again. He says, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast permeates the whole batch of dough? A little demonic activity permeates the whole temple? Why dabble in witchcraft? Why dabble with Ouija boards? Why dabble with Harry Potter books? I mean, that's not in my message, but the Lord wants me to say that. Somebody here needs to go home and have a book burning. Or a DVD burning. So verse 2. So he's saying, your boasting's not good. In verse 6. Verse 2 he's saying, you're inflated with pride. You know, this is compromise camouflaged as compassion. Compromise camouflaged as tolerance. Compromise camouflaged as, well, we care. We're so full of mercy. Verse 3, For though absent, now Paul is saying, he says, though abs- For though absent in body, but present in spirit, I have already decided about him, or passed judgment on him who has done this thing as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled along with my spirit and with the power of our Lord Jesus, turn that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. 
so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast permeates the whole batch of dough? Purge or clean out the old yeast so that you may be a new batch since you are unleavened. For Christ our Passover has been sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us observe the feast not with the old yeast or with the yeast of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Since the old has been dealt with, you and I have to now be without that. You know, in Mark 7, Jesus talked about it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but it's what comes out of him. And he was talking about food because food was an issue. He said, you know, food goes into the stomach and then is eliminated. It's waste. It just passes through. But what comes out of you, and he was talking about words, and he he gave a whole list of sins. He says these come from the heart, from the mind. Right? And so, we know that that was before they were born again. In Galatians, it changes it and says it has almost the same list. It's very similar and it says it comes from the flesh. Because we've been given the mind of Christ. But yet you could allow your temple to be desecrated with those same things and allow it back in. And when he says it's not what goes into you, you know, if you get, if you eat something long enough, did you know you can change the color or increase the yellowness of like a canary? Depending on what you feed them, they get more yellow. We used to have one and we'd always feed him certain things to keep him bright yellow. And there's other animals that depending on what you feed them, they change color, right? Because the food will have an effect on them. Well, in a similar way, what you eat solically, not physically, solically, what you take into your heart, it can just pass right through you and have zero effect on you. But yet, if you stay in that environment, if you continually are there, it can have that numbing effect and before long, it's in there and it's starting to come out. Uh, If if you are in the construction world and you know what I'm talking about when you say the language is pretty rank and raw out there, and you can be in that environment and hearing all these things and you can stay pure the whole time. Come on, man, you can go to the beach and stay pure in heart even though there's scantily clad women walking around. So it's in here. What you allow in here to fester, to grow, is where it's going to now become either a stronghold or not an issue, right? So, so it has to be dealt with in here. <clears throat> that doesn't mean that you should... Because some people will go, yeah, I watch this stuff or I do this because I'm strong enough I can handle it. Or I go there because I'm strong enough I can handle it. For how long? I mean, just be real with yourself. For how long? We were in 1 Corinthians, right? Verse 9. I wrote to you in a letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Remember, we also had read, don't be unequally yoked. So that's not just marriage. Begin thinking business. Begin thinking ventures like that. 
I wrote to you in a letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, by no means referring to this world's immoral people or to the greedy and swindlers or to the idolaters. Otherwise, you would have to leave the world. Not, otherwise, you'd have to get on a rocket, right? Next trip to the moon. I'm out of here. Verse 11, But now I'm writing you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. Someone who claims to be a believer. Who is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard, or a swindler. Do not even eat with such a person. For what is it to me to judge outsiders? Don't you judge those who are inside? But God judges outsiders. Put away the evil person from among yourselves. If we go down to verse 9 of chapter 6, we just keep reading. It starts talking about lawsuits and then he changes it again. comes kind of back to this subject. He says, Do you not know that the unjust will not inherit God's kingdom? Don't, do not be deceived. Ding, 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 ding. My young people, are you listening? Don't be deceived. Here's a point of deception again. Don't be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, homosexuals, thieves, greedy people, drunkards, revilers, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. Now some of you were like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified or set apart, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. This is great news. Jump on down to verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which belong to God. Glorify Him with your body. Glorify Him with your soul. Glorify Him with your spirit. And being set apart means that, man, I've got one function and purpose in life and that's His. I'm not my own. I'm not here to serve my comfort. I know everything around us in society is geared towards comfort. And I'm grateful for that when I sit in my easy chair. But I realize this is just a temporary pleasure that I could do without if I needed to. So glorify God in your body, in everything. Jesus said it this way. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That encompasses your whole being. The uh, Passion Translation reads this way. Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart. With all the energy of your being, your soul, and with every thought that is within you. Let's go to two more scriptures. Ephesians chapter 5. I know we're going long tonight, but it's okay. We're going to have a time of singing, of worship, of consecration, of shouting, of dancing. A time of setting yourself apart to the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5, and in the middle of the instruction he gives to husbands and wives, really it's in the middle of the instruction he gives to the husband, and he's telling the husband to love your wife like Christ loved the church, and he's using Christ and the church as the example, but Christ's love for the church. Now here's what I wanted you to catch. In, in verse 25, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, he gave Himself for you to make you holy. 
He allowed Himself to be killed to make you holy. He allowed Himself to be beaten and the hair in His beard pulled out and a crown of thorns crushed down upon His head till blood is running through His eyes and He can't see. He allowed that whip to wrap around Him and tear loose chunks of flesh. He allowed nails to be run through His hands and feet and suffocate to death on that cross. He was so beaten and... and like Isaiah says, he didn't even look like a man anymore. All of it to make you holy. You realize you're on holy ground. Like, walk carefully. Realizing that I don't want to defame that. What he did for me. By a careless, unholy way of living. I, w- I don't want to squander that. And throw that back in his face. So he did this to make her holy. To make you holy. Cleansing her in the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor. Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But holy and blameless. Holy and blameless. That's what he did for us. What are we doing with it? Now let's go to... We're going to close here. First Thessalonians 5. <clears throat> Well, close with the sermon, not close the service. In these evening services, we're planning on having one song in the beginning, and then we'll go right into our program. And um, so I encourage you to be on time. Otherwise, you'll miss part of the sermon. And then we'll have our worship set at the end. And um, now the Lord has permission to change that at any point in time. Things aren't always the same, but that's kind of how we'll set forward to go as long as we have an evening service like this. All right, chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians, verse 23. Now, may the God of peace Himself, someone say God Himself, set you completely apart or sanctify you completely. May the God of peace Himself sanctify you, set you completely apart. And may your spirit, your soul, and your body three parts, be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. The Lord Himself will do this for you. Keeping your spirit, soul, and body sound and blameless. Of course, He's not going to do that for someone that's flippant about whatever. Whatever Jesus did for me. doesn't matter. So let's examine ourselves. Let's realize the Lord's going to help us. Set you, you know, ask the Lord. Lord, search me. Is there a wicked way in me? Is there an offensive way in me? And allow Him to show you. Be willing to change. Be quick to change. Be a horrible sinner. What I mean is you're just no good at it. You're bad at it. You're a bad sinner. As soon as you find sin, you repent of it, get rid of it, it's gone. Not there anymore. You're just bad at it. And allow the Lord to minister that to you and He will bring revelation and light. And and another thing He's going to do is He's going to give you boldness. We've been asking the Lord for boldness. Now here's how. Purify yourself. Set yourself apart for His service. Boldness will come on you. Confidence will come on you. And you know what? When, When you fall down, when you sin, just run to the Lord. Put it under the blood. Then dance and shout in the street because He forgives. All right. Let's pray and then we're going to 
take communion together. Father, we thank you that you are kind, that you're merciful, that you're compassionate, and you're holy. You're awesome. There's no darkness in you. You're just so full of light. Father, we want to be like you. We want to grow up, be like you. We want you to shine in us and through us and on us. Father, we, we, re, we reject those sinful desires. We repent, Father, of where we have not walked in the light, where we've walked in darkness. And Father, in areas of our life maybe that have become calloused or hardened, I'm asking you, Father, soften it. Show to us, reveal to us where we need to change. Lord, I ask that you by your Spirit give us clarity of sight on this and clear of hearing on this. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And someone say, so be it. He did all of that. He called you by name before the foundations of the world. And when Jesus went to Calvary, He did it because He loved the Father is what John tells us. But we know that the Father loved you. And the Father had you in mind. And in 1 Corinthians 11, go ahead and have our ushers prepare the elements. Paul said this in verse 23 he said I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you on the night when he was betrayed the Lord Jesus took bread gave thanks broke it and said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me so family tonight when you take the bread when you break it and you eat it I want you to know this is in remembrance of Jesus' body broken for you. To make you holy. You know, that holiness is what allows you to come boldly to the Father. To come into the throne room unashamed and say, Daddy, I need help. Or to come and find mercy, it says. Because Lord knows I've needed mercy so often. Come in and like, Daddy, I'm so glad that you're merciful. And it says you'll find help in that time of trouble. So when you take the bread, I want you to picture Him on that cross knowing that was for me and I'm not going to profane what was holy. Verse 25, He says in the same way He also took the cup and after supper said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Let's say this together. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. All right, we're going to uh, let our worship team play whatever is on your heart, John. And uh, we'll just have people file through. And if you are unable to come up, just stay where you're at. And after people file through, we'll bring it to you. All right? If there's anyone in here that's not very mobile. 
So take this moment, consecrate yourself to the Lord. What am I saying? I'm saying set yourself apart to the Lord and worship Him. John? This is my desire to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. Did we miss anybody? Does anyone need some? Wave your hand real high and we'll bring it to you. All right, look around you, make sure no one's missing out. All right, let's take the bread, and I like to break it, signifying that Jesus' body is broken for me, for my healing, both in my soul and in my flesh. Father, we thank you, thank you for taking stripes and wounds for us. Father, thank you for making us holy. Father, thank you that you would suffer like that to bring us into your family. We didn't deserve it. We're really grateful. The blood, that new covenant. Covenant that is greater than any natural fact. The blood of Jesus. Shane wanted to share something with us, so if you would just listen. So today, I went with a friend of ours out to view a property that they were working on, and, and he and I had a moment where we were standing at this giant pine tree, and we're just talking about the health properties of the pine tree, and I didn't think anything of it, but I remember the Lord saying, you need to go with him, I'm going to show you something. And I went with him, and as, we're, as I'm standing here, worshiping, saying, it's your breath in our lungs, and we pour out our praise. You never really think about just how in the natural, how he's woven his life into nature. I don't know how many of you know this, but trees, especially pine trees, emit oxygen. And when you think about how he literally created this natural world to emit life to us, and by that same tree, Jesus was crucified to give us a spiritual life. And I just couldn't help but think that he's over here, Pastor, sorry, yeah, Pastor Sidney's over here running back and forth, waving a pine tree in front of us, showing us that from the foundations of the world, he knew us and he formed it. He's showing us signs that he's for us. Father, we thank you for your life. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you, Father, for giving us breath, giving us your spirit. Father, I lift each person up to you here. Every person, man, woman, and child. Every person that belongs to Church of the Word International. Every person that's listening by the internet. Lord, I ask you to encounter them in special ways this week. In ways that are unique to them. In ways that are easily recognizable as you. Father, that your fingerprint would be upon their week. And Lord, even tonight as they sleep, I ask you for dreams and visions. To give our dreams and visions, Father, for 
how we should be prepared, how we should prepare for this season and time that we're in. Father, I ask you that gifts of the Spirit would begin to flow, flow in abundance in your body. Father, that the body would be built up, that Jesus would be glorified. Lord, we want to go the whole way with you. Thank you for your enablement. Thank you for your grace. The Lord make His face shine upon you. Encourage you. Comfort you. Strengthen you. Grace and enable you to do that which you couldn't do before. To say the thing you couldn't find to say before. To go to the place that you wouldn't go before. Someone say, victory is mine. Hallelujah. Well, one way we love God is by loving on one another. So give the love of God to each other this evening. Everyone's invited downstairs to a time of fellowship. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Church of the Word International. So glad that you're all here today. We've got such a great night ahead of us in the anointing and the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'd like to encourage you for your worship time tonight on a Psalms 100. One of, one of my favorite Psalms in the whole Bible is Psalms 100. There's so much packed in, just four little, five little scriptures. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Joyful. Amen. <laughs> he loves it when you are filled with his joy. He loves that. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye saints. Serve the Lord with gladness. No matter what you're doing, just be happy about serving the Lord. Come before his presence with singing. Now, those of you who don't think you can sing too well, you can make a noise, a joyful noise, and that will suffice. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his flock. Isn't that great to know that we belong to the Father? Isn't he a good God, a faithful God? You don't belong to yourself. You're not going through this by yourself. He is your father enter into his gates he's got a gate <laughs> his gates with thanksgiving unto his courts with praise be thankful unto him and bless his name for the lord he is good and his mercy is everlasting <laughs> and his truth endureth to all generations isn't that a packed psalm about the father and the lord well let's stand up and let's sing with a joyful heart tonight because he is a great and faithful and wonderful father amen Well, we're having a great time already. I don't know about you, but laughter is good. It's good to laugh. It's good to be family. 
You know, we're not putting on a show here. <laughs> we're, we're real people here. And it's okay. It's, it's good to have family. Good to be here with you all. Well, we are going to welcome any guests that are with us. Do we have anybody that's here for the very first time? We'd like to welcome you. Uh, looks like we're all family. And... <laughs> All right, well, let's prepare to return the tithe to the Lord. So if you need a, an envelope for your giving, raise your hand, and the ushers will see that you get one. And we're giving to the Lord tonight because we love Him. Yeah. You know, one of the greatest expressions of love is to give. You know that we know in John three sixteen it says, For God so loved the world that He gave that he gave. So when we truly love the Lord, we love his people, we have a heart to give. It's just you can't separate that. You can't separate uh, giving from love. Because where you find one, you're going to find the other. And you see examples over and over uh, in scripture where somebody had a heart for the Lord or loved the Lord, wanted to express worship, and so they would give an offering or they would give. You know, nobody told Abel, that, hey, Abel, you need to give your first, and you need to give your best. He just had it in his heart. You know, there was no law instructing uh, Abraham to tithe. He just had it in his heart, and there's countless other individuals like that. But they wanted to show love to God, and they wanted to demonstrate their worship. And so that's what, I mean, we love God. I love the Lord. How about you? So... I'm grateful for what he has done for me. I am grateful that he gave Jesus. I'm grateful that he is a good heavenly father that that provides for me. So let's take a hold of it and let's um, pray. Father, we are so grateful to you. We just love you and and we're, we're grateful that you are a good provider and a good daddy. And you are so worthy of any gift we could ever give you. And so we just thank you for your countless promises towards us, or the countless things that you have done for us, provided for us time and time again. And so we just present you the tithe, and we, we call the people blessed. We call the tithers blessed, and every need met in this house, in Jesus' name. And amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord. On to nation shaping things, world-changing things. You know, the Lord is keenly interested in what's going on here tonight. I mean, what's more important to Him than His children? And He said that where they're gathered together, I'm there with them. So man, He is interested in what's happening in Lancaster County, in Landisville, at 175 Church Street tonight. And we have His ear. He's promised that my ear is open to the righteous. So we can ask Him things and we have the ear of the Creator of the universe that can open doors that no man can close and close doors that no man can open, right? He has the abilities to do these things and so we have the ability to ask. So that's a perfect combination. How about this, Dad? Let's do this. All right, done. Seems like a good arrangement, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to take some time and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for our nation. We're going to pray for our president. We're going to pray for our, our senators and our representatives. We're going to pray for our judges. You know, 
we have, um, as of yesterday, the Supreme Court is now needing another judge because one lady has passed on, right? And so we have opportunity in front of us to see righteousness restored to this land. We have opportunity in front of us right now that we haven't seen in years to be able to flip the court to righteous judgment. And so it's really important, I believe, that we not only cover um, our president who's doing the choosing, choosing a, a, a candidate so that he chooses righteously, right? Sometimes the person that you think is right isn't right. We, we've found that out several times in the past as they've put people on the Supreme Court that have turned out to be big disappointments. And so, and I'm telling you, don't underestimate the power of prayer to remove people from those seats. To remove people. We've just not so long ago, we declared and prayed in this house that those that are in those seats need to judge righteously or remove them, Lord. And I expect that's going to continue to happen. Because the Lord is not going to, as long as we, the salt of the earth, are here and are taking a stand, then the Lord is going to honor our requests. And so we're going to pray this way and we're going to ask that righteousness be restored to this land. Now, before we pray, I want to ask you, I want to hear from you, what are some scriptures that we can use What right do we have to ask these types of things? What right do we have to ask for a righteous judge? What what gives us the right to think we could ask the Lord to um, help our president choose somebody? The Word tells us pray for our leaders. Certainly that covers all of them. Two or three agree. So where two, Jesus said in Matthew 18 that where two or three are gathered together, there I am. And then he went on and said that where two or three agree as touching anything. I mean, that's like extremely broad. And that it will be done for you. We talked about this last week. I think it was that, or maybe it was in private conversation. I don't remember. But that your prayer doesn't become more powerful because a thousand people are praying. Two people reaches maximum potential power of prayer. The power of agreement. He said as touching anything that two people agree on and ask, it'll be done for them. So adding a third, fourth, six hundred thousandths doesn't make it more effective. Now it's great to have people in unity praying, but don't underestimate the power of you and another believer's prayer together. Alright, any other scriptures? We've been clothed in righteousness. We've been clothed in prayer of the righteous avails much. Prayer of the righteous avails much. Right. And we are clothed in righteousness, so that means our prayer makes great power available. First John five, fourteen and fifteen. Do you want me to read it? Mm-hmm. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of Him. So if we ask according to His will, He hears us. And if He hears us, then it's done. It's in the bag. Any other scripture? 
not scripture, but I think about our history. We're on the on the problem of God. We're you know it's a country based on God, whatever how you want to say it. And there were wars won because people were praying. Mm-hmm. So I feel like God looks at us and I mean we stand at Jerusalem. I just feel like we're a Christian country. That's just how I feel, and that's how we have to pray because I I believe He smiles down on us. Mm-hmm. We're praying and and we want this righteousness restored and we want things changed. So based on history, I think just that I, I don't know. I don't know if there's scripture or anything to go with that, but I just kept thinking out. You know, was it Washington or one of them was praying and things changed with the war? Yes. We certainly have a foundation that was built on biblical principles. Right. I have one in Psalms. Psalms? See, now she's getting bold over here. She's quoting Scripture to, for the removal of those that need removed. 28, 4, and 5 in the book of Psalms. Alex. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth and shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent Amen. So as we pray out the word, it'll accomplish what it was sent to do. Yes. Ephesians 2.10, where God's workmanship created to do good works that he's already prepared for us. Yeah, amen. Over. Isaiah 51.4, listen to me, my people, and give ear to me, O my nation, for law will proceed from me, and I will make my justice rest as a light upon the people. Yeah. Psalms 43 says, Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. I'll read it real loud this time. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For a while, I'm going to read the next part. For thou art the God of my strength. Sure, keep them coming. Build faith. This goes along with Jen's. It's uh, Psalms 149. It starts in verse 6. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishment upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all the saints. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's an honor. It's a, it's a privilege and an honor. To execute judgment. In Matthew 5, 44, it says to pray, love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. And I think God tells us to pray because He can direct and change even those hearts as well. And you know, Again and again, we see in God's heart is always one of restoration, always one of rescue, always one of bringing back. He wants relationship, and yet we also know that God is a God of justice, and that if people refuse, well, they come to a no good end. Caster. Romans 13, 3, uh, not a terror to good conduct bad, so if they're not, then everybody gets what God is Yes, so Romans 13, an excellent scripture, Caster. In fact, um, I need more fingers. 
because I have several I was going to read as well. I'm going to go there and we're going to just quickly go through that. Romans 13. So here it lays out about submitting to the government. We'll start in verse 1. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those that exist are instituted by God. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do good and you will have its approval. For government is God's servant to you for good. It doesn't say for bad. So if the government is bad, then it doesn't qualify here. It doesn't say that it's God's servant for abortion. It says it's for good. So if it becomes a bad government, it is now not functioning the way this is described. And, and that's where people need to rise up. Let's keep reading. It says, but if you do wrong, be afraid because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For government is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong, not enables the one doing wrong. Right? So this whole... Submit to them, all of this stuff is in the context of godly government, not in the context of bad government. So we need to be clear on that. He goes on and says, therefore, you must submit not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. And for this reason, pay taxes since the authorities are God's public servants continually attending to these tasks. So if they don't operate according to how godly government is designed, then we say out with the old and in with the righteous. Mark 11 tells us, he says, I assure you, if you say to this mountain, Jesus is speaking, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say will happen, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I tell you, whatever or all the things You require in prayer, believe that you have received them and you will have them. John 15 tells us that if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Now clearly you're not going to want wrong if his word is remaining in you and you're in him, right? So the whatever you want, there's qualifiers within the will of God. We already read that scripture about if you ask according to His will, He hears us. And if He hears us, done. So let's take this moment and let's just begin praying. And if you know how to pray in the Spirit, you can pray in tongues. If, and, or if you have something in English to pray out, pray it out in English. And let's take, take some time and let's start with our president. And we'll just work our way down through. My Father, we just present ourselves to You right now. And Lord, we know that Your ear is open to us and that we can give You requests and petitions as You've instructed us and that it'll change things. It'll make a difference. It makes great power available. So Father, we lift up 
President Trump to you right now. And Father, I ask you for divine wisdom and discernment to him. Father, give him supernatural understanding. Those people that surround him, give them the wisdom and understanding and discernment. Give them foresight. Father, I ask for words of wisdom and words of knowledge to flow in that group that you would bring forth your divine purposes through President Trump. That you would bring forth your divine righteous purposes through the people that he appoints to different offices and in particular to the Supreme Court. I ask that the right person come forward for that position. Father, that he sees the right person. And whether it be the one that we have in mind or not, Father, you know the one. And so I'm asking you to impress upon him, impress upon his team, the right one. Father, I lift up our senators and our congressmen, our, our representatives that are in Washington, D.C. Lord, You know every one of them. You know every heart. And Father, I just ask right now that You encounter each one of them. That You put a supernatural draw on them unto Yourself. Father, that You make them aware of Your presence. That You make them aware of the grace that is available to them. To walk in Your plan. To walk in righteousness. To walk in Your purpose. Thank you, Lord, that as as this goes forward, Lord, that you would give favor to the righteous in the positions of government, that you would give favor, favor and grace upon grace to those that are righteous in government. That You give them insight and discernment. That You lead them in all wisdom and truth. That the things which need to be revealed are revealed. Father, bring alongside each one of them the people that they need to support, to lead. Father, we lift up our governors. We lift up the representatives and senators of our states. Our mayors. Lord, I ask that You encounter each one of them. Convict those that are wrong and have turned and rejected You. By Your Spirit, convict them of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, Father. Cause an unshakable awareness that there is a judgment day coming, Father. That every leader in this nation would suddenly become keenly aware that there is a God and I will stand before Him and answer for what I have done. And Father, I ask that You bring forth a spirit of righteousness in those people. That You bring forth a new birth upon them. Give them opportunities to turn to You. Give them opportunities to make You the Lord of their life. I thank You for this, Father. And Father, those that refuse, we just call for them to be removed. Be removed from their office. If they refuse You, Lord, then remove them from their place. Father, we long to see righteousness in this land. Lord, You said we're the salt of the earth. and Make us more salty, Father. Father, we lift up the 
chief of police and police officers in this land. Many are in fear, Father. I ask you to strengthen them. Father, I ask you to encourage them. Most of all, I ask you, Lord, to just draw them to yourself. Cause a revival to break out in our police forces. Lord, revival to break forth in our men and women in uniform that they recognize you as Lord of their life. That's what we want, Father. And send us, Lord. We're willing to go. We're willing to speak to that. Thank you for safety. I ask you for safety for them. That your hand would be upon them to protect them. Father, I lift up our nation to you and those that are hurting from racial issues. Lord, I ask you to bring healing to their hearts on these things. Those that look at color rather than the individual. Father, I ask you to convict them of this. Cause them to see another way of doing this. Cause them to become aware of your love for them. Your love for all of humanity. Father, that river you've put on the inside of us, we just ask that it would flow through us. Flow to all of those around us that in this community, everywhere we go, healing comes to the people. That healing comes to souls. That healing comes to to people's bodies. That healing happens everywhere that we go and that it is easily recognized that was Jesus. If somebody has something that you feel prompted to pray out, go ahead and pray it out real loud. Lord, I lift up our school system to You. It's severely broken, Father, and we recognize it. And Lord, we really want to see righteousness come to it or it just to be completely canceled and a new system put in place. Lord, we want people to be educated and we want them to be educated about You. We want them to know about You, Father. 
And we call, Lord, for righteousness to prevail in our schools. And what we really would like, Lord, is to see revival break forth in our schools. Father, revival in our schools, in our high schools. Those young men and women are old enough, Father, to have very close relationships and to know you, Lord. So draw our young people to yourself. Father, those that are righteous in our schools, give them extreme boldness. Lord, cause them to be bold and to rise up like lions. Cause them to speak forth into the dark and that light will abound in our schools. That light will abound where they go. And I thank you for this. Lord, I ask you to put this desire in those that are righteous, to put the desire for revival in them, that our teachers that are in place that are righteous, Lord, cause them to rise up in boldness and speak forth your word. Father, cause the students to ask them the right questions so that they can freely speak to them. And Lord, even at the cost of their job, Lord, I ask you to make them bold. Make them bold. Shake the building, Lord. That's what we want. Awaken this nation. Awaken sinners. Awaken to the righteousness of the Lord. Awaken to His purposes. Awaken to the divine rulings of our Father. Father God, we thank you for a boldness rising up all throughout the earth that a voice of authority would break past the fear and would rise up in those moments where your still small voice speaks to them and then speak. No hesitation. We speak to that hesitation right now. And in Jesus' name it must stand down because your voice needs to be proclaimed. Your word needs to be proclaimed. People need to know about what being born again means. God, we thank you that this season is the season for freedom. This is the season for the captives to be set free from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and truth in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for evangelists going forward. Yes. Gospel, Alright, what I would like for you to do now is let's just take a moment and silence ourselves. And listen to the Lord. What is the Lord telling you? Maybe it'll be some instruction to us. Maybe it'll be about our nation. Maybe it'll be a word of knowledge, wisdom, direction, something prophetic, prophecy. Let the Lord speak to you. Those that might be intercessors. 
after me. Those that want to see my will be done in the nation. This has been a nation that I have called for to be freedom. To have freedom of religion. To know me. To preach my word. To teach my word. To people that are willing to live and love and follow my word and live my word. That it may be a place of great blessing. There may be a place where the presence of God can move, where my Holy Spirit can move. So we thank you and we ask, Lord, that your will will be done in this nation. We pray, Lord, that your church will rise up and be a church. That will yes. pray, that will intercede, that will do what I call them to do. That each person has a, has a purpose and a plan, and we can do it freely. We can follow that plan that God has for each of our lives. And we thank you for that, for that privilege and for that honor that we have as Christians to live and to love and to serve you and our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. we pray that all the churches that claim to be churches of Jesus Christ that have a veil flaunting them really knowing you that veil will be removed yes they truly know you Jesus as their Savior yes they will go out and act and do as you want done to your glory
The Lord loves all of his creation. He loves everybody. He is a God of second chances. I just had this stirring really strong. That he gives us choice. He gives us choice. It says, turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever. But Lord, if not, if they choose not, I put you in remembrance of your word, the rest of this. It says, for the Lord loves justice. He loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. Mark the blameless, and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. But the transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Father, I put you in remembrance of your words. And I just thank you that your eye is upon the righteous and you hear the cry of the righteous. And I just thank you, Lord, that you perform your word. And, Lord, if these people do not change, if they do not turn, like you said, and like I know your heart's desire is, Lord, I just call for them to be removed according to your word. Am I holding it the right way where you all can read it? This flag, not this particular one, but one that looked like it, was um, one of the flags from very early on that General Washington flew over his ship in one of the earliest battles of the Revolutionary War. So in the very, very beginning, he was in a position where he's up against the world superpower, Great Britain's undefeatable armies. And he knew their only hope was an appeal to heaven. Because it didn't look winnable. I mean, it's impossible. It'd be like Rhode Island saying, I'm going to take on the United States. Not happening. Uh, but God is with them. They can do it. Yes. That's what the Lord is telling us, that each and every one of us, God has won the war. He's won the war, but we are responsible to fight the battle. That's right. Amen. The battle is ours to fight for Him, for Him, for His glory. And to love, to love even the unrighteous because it's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance and to the cross and the salvation of Jesus Christ. God's won the war. Yeah. We have to fight the battle. Good. We fight the battle. 
That's right. Because all the glory belongs to the Lord. All the glory belongs to the Lord. To God be the glory for every good and perfect gift that's in each and every one of our lives. We cannot stand by. We right. cannot stand by. Right. It's time. Pull up your big boy or your big girl panties and get on with this. That's what I'm talking about. He deserves all the The reason General Washington put a tree, the evergreen tree, on the flag was because the evergreen tree in the Bible symbolizes covenant. And his appeal to heaven was based upon a covenant with the Lord. He won those, those battles. He won the impossible because of the covenant that our Father has established with His children. We can win that on that same covenant. Right? So it's time that we put forth the appeal to heaven. That we don't sit here and go, well, someone else will. What should I do? At the very least, be on your knees. Be on your knees. You can also talk to your senators and your, your representatives. And in the last week, I have emailed every representative and every senator in Pennsylvania. And I got some replies back, some good ones. But let's take action. But it all starts here with the covenant. Alright, so let's just pray and let's put forth our appeal to heaven. And I know this seems weird, but this is just what the Lord showed me to do. So I'm going to run back and forth across the front while you pray. Yeah, Lord, come on! We appeal to you, Lord. We need your help, and we stand on your covenant, Father. And we call forth righteousness in this land again. We call forth righteousness in every area of leadership in this land. We call forth righteousness. We call for righteousness, Lord. This is our appeal. Lord, I ask for the wind of your spirit to fill your church. That your spirit rise forth. Lord, fill your church. Cause your church to receive. Cause your church to receive your spirit. Wave upon wave, awakenings and revivals breaking forth in our churches, awakening and revival breaking forth in our schools. Come on, fire in front of my throne for this is that moment, church. Wake up! Church.
Father, I ask for a quick confirmation of a righteous judge to this Supreme Court seat. And Lord, all the evil plans that come against this person, we just cancel them ahead of time. That they'll turn to dust, they'll fall to ashes. This person will be confirmed quickly in the name of Jesus. Father, we, we call for an end to this unrest. An end to these riots. An end to this iniquity in the streets. We call for an end to it, Lord. And I thank You, Father, that You're sending and mobilizing Your church out into those streets. Out into those people. Father, we take back the land. We take back the land, Lord. If two or three agree as touching anything, it'll be done. Amen. Let it be. You may be seated. Hadn't planned on going to the gym today and running a mile, but... You know, I tell the Lord all the time, I'm willing to be a fool for you. Some days He takes you up on it. If you're new here, or maybe this is your second or third time here, and if you wonder, are we always this crazy? Sometimes it's worse. (laughs) Better, yeah. 